Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. And do my graveyard Doing the Monster Mash with you on this beautiful Valentine's Day. Marty, why did you play that song today? There must be thousands of love songs. Well, it's, it's kind of a love song. All the monsters enjoying each other's company, you know, dancing. Holding their evil in check? You played the wrong record, didn't you? Why are you doing this? Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick. I'm your legacy newbie. Uh, Jerry is off this week. Jerry has been sent to Nashville, Tennessee, apparently. Uh, He basically ran the LAL Open with me, uh, took a nap during the broadcast, promptly got onto a plane and left for Tennessee. I don't know if he's ever coming back, but in his stead, we have the awesome Zach Turgeon. What's up, Zach? Not a ton, not a ton. How's your day going? It's it's going great, man. It's going great. Uh, how you doing? Eh, not too bad. Just settling in for a night of talking about legacy. <laughs> yeah, you're uh, you're recording with us tonight, and then I heard you're uh, recording with our uh, Nemesis podcast, the Dead Format. Yep, right after this. <laughs> and uh, they they do like a crazy turnaround on their audio. They they like they post it up on like Tuesday or Wednesday, so you'll hear Zach then. Even though we're recording now, you'll hear Zach earlier with them and us later in the week which is sure <laughs> um awesome all right and uh as always we have our our uh, our winner of the open on the cast uh what's going on curtis uh aka grizzle dad aka dn solver how's it going man it's going well uh coming off of a pretty good weekend and uh <laughs> yeah so i'm excited to talk about it awesome yeah you had a, a dominant showing at the open we had uh just under 100 players. I think the final count ended up being 99 players for the Open, which is pretty good, considering there's a bunch of other legacy, uh, I guess, 1Ks going on in New England, which I was unaware of. So I was happy to have a turnout of, of nearly 100 players. Everyone seemed to have a good time. We had a really successful uh, food drive, which was really awesome. Uh, we had a bunch of prizes donated from our from friends of the cast and uh, from Jerry and I both put in some prizes and it seemed to go over really well. So all in all, it was a really a really fun event and uh, I'm interested to hear how you guys uh, saw it yourselves. Well, I saw it sitting next to you. <laughs> um, That's yeah. probably the least awesome way to to enjoy the enjoy the event. But no, my it apologies. Was, it was a fun event. Um, Covering things like this always is rather enjoyable for me, and I really do like seeing how different people approach the format. One of the things like uh, that blows my mind is like uh, towards the end of the day, I'm, I was talking to Zach off air, and I'm man, I'm I'm beat, man. Like, do you feel the brain drain? And Zach's like, oh no, oh no, I could do this all day, and I just I was shocked. Uh, like for me, like covering the events is more exhausting than playing in them. And uh, yeah, you seem like you seem ready to do another one right after we finished up. Yeah, talking doesn't take a ton of energy for me. Plus, you know, I wasn't talking about anything of substance anyway. My brain was just going on. <laughs> and Curtis, how, I mean, obviously you, you took down the event, uh, made it all the way into top eight without without a loss, proceeded uh, to not lose throughout the rest of the top eight. Tell us about uh, tell us about how your event, how it went. Uh, it was just really great. Like, I mean, first, like, I, I want to go off of what you were talking about, Pat. Like, the, the, these events are just so well organized, so well run. There's so many good things going on. Um, there's no, like, you have, you got the food drive going on. It's a great venue. And it, I mean, it's really great for me because it's five minutes from my house. Um, oh, so, awesome. so, so, so that's like pretty much unmatched, like hard to compete with that for me, at least. So you got <laughs> one, one great customer here. Uh, <clears throat> uh, but of course, like, I mean, the, the whole event ran well, ran on time. You, you, like there's great judges and everything, like everything's 
all my opponents are very pleasant. Like this is another thing that's like you know not guaranteed all the time in mm-hmm. in Magic, and so and, but definitely I think everybody the whole event uh, was having having a good time and uh, was very pleasant to everybody that's- else. That's great. I love to, I love to hear that. It, it, I've had a bunch of people come up and say how much they enjoy the events, and like my my biggest regret, honestly, is that so many people. You know, I get there like I try to get there like an hour before it starts, so I have like my computer, my monitors, all my streaming equipment, green screens, cameras. You know, for the feature matches, and we're trying to get everything set up, and so I have like an hour to do it. And I always run into, you know, there's always something going on where it's like a last minute adjustment we have to make. So my biggest regret is that, like, I don't get to hang out with all the people at the events. Like, I don't get to talk to people. Like, it's it's pretty hectic and pretty chaotic. And that's the one thing that, like, bums me out is that all these people come up and like, hey, they want to talk. And I'm just like, I am in the middle of trying to put out three different fires. And uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to hear it. Uh, I really appreciate the uh, the good feedback and, and the kind words and. Michelle has always put on great tournaments, and we're just happy to kind of just add a little extra, add a little something to the mix, and, uh, and and stream it, and get people watching it, and talking about legacy, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, like I said, it was really good being there. I really enjoyed, you know, between the two costume contests and the food drive. It's nice <laughs> to have the outside stuff. Oh, but definitely, I know definitely. My focus those were not so. to be missed. I was yes. to say. The Jerry Lookalike contest was really good, and uh, one of our previous winners, uh, Ross McGee, came dressed as Gandalf with, like, it was an excellent costume, and although he did not win, uh, Connor ended up taking it down with his take on Grim Lava Mancer. Uh, It was cool to see so many people in costume. Uh, It was good to see two uh, people really uh, cosplay as Jerry super hard, DJ even going as far as to play Jerry's deck for the night, for the day, and promptly go, like, 03 and drop. (laughs) Oh yeah, so he like really cosplay. took cosplay. It was all... Yeah, he went. He went. He took cosplaying to the next level. It was really impressive. <laughs> yeah, he got a cosplay that was normal record too. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oof. Yeah, it was. It was fantastic. I think they've got to take had... all the digs out of my can. He's sitting <laughs> oh. in Nashville. He'll never listen to this. <laughs> so true. So true. But um, all right. Well, let's get into the uh, into the event. Uh, so we, like I said, we had just under a hundred players on uh, beautiful Acton, Massachusetts. And uh, Curtis, you showed up with you, uh, your take on Turbo Depths. Do you want to talk about, a little bit about the list? Do you want me to run down it, or, or sure. do you know it pretty much offhand? There, um, I I know pretty. I mean, I I know the list. Um, de- like definitely, <laughs> when you when you play as much as I do, like you know, you can write down the entire deck list without looking at any of your cards. Like it's <laughs> it's just a matter of like you know f- what flex slots you're on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so those are cards you've been thinking about for a, a, like a lot recently, anyway. But um, I mean, uh, I guess. I'll say that my list is very focused on just producing Merit Lage. There are no backup plans. There are no, um, there's nothing, nothing in this deck is like too crazy. Like hasn't been seen before. Like Mm -hmm. it, it's just a little bit like almost, I'll I'll say like outdated. It's more like it's a previous version of like some, a deck that was, you know, this is a deck that was really good. Like maybe a year ago is like the time frame you're talking about when, Mm -hmm. uh, when like, these like the only depths variants you see or like this this version like that's like a year ago or even like two at this point like it's been a while i guess i guess right after the top ban like is what you're seeing like these decks mm-hmm. deck decks like like that one that i played um but it's definitely like the version that i've been the most successful with like if you look like on my online history mostly is like my as my as a uh, magic online when i play leagues or challenges or whatever definitely my most good finishes are with like very aggressively turbo depths very turbo mm-hmm. n- not a lot of um other plans going on <clears throat> so I, 
Now we've seen a bunch of different flavors of of dark depths. Like we saw the slower uh, depths that was running like uh, uh, running like uh, uh, bobs and uh, lilies, and then we saw uh, more like the the medium depths that was had a little bit of a slower of a package, almost like what Freya was running with um, Once Upon a Time and things like that, and then like a sideboard plan of like some Tarmogoyf, some aggressive creatures out of the sideboard. And you're on the much more streamlined, like you said, we're just making Merit Lage. We don't have a backup plan. We're very much all in on plan A. Can you tell me, like, why you chose this version of the deck over uh, other ones that are available to you? Uh, sure. So, I mean, I guess I, I've been playing a couple, like, I've been playing pretty, pretty much all of the different variants in the past, like, uh, well, I guess we'll say two or three months is like I've been playing, like, pretty much every variant there is. Um, you didn't even mention uh, there's a green white based depths deck ah shrek yeah yeah so so and that has like it's mostly a lot of different versions of depths like emerged or re-emerged with the printing of elvish reclaimer and people realizing that card was not completely terrible um Mm. like and so i'll I'll give you like some inside info is i like you know on the depths discord we talk about all of the like you know all of anytime a new card is spoiled like we have like serious discussions about what it's like it doesn't have a future in like this deck and legacy and mm-hmm. a lot of players were writing off reclaimer as pretty much unplayable i think i was pretty i was i was pretty firmly in that camp myself uh at first um definitely i saw it do some good stuff um i played with it a little bit myself and was not super impressed but i mean it's definitely earned its spot in the uh what i'll call like slower versions um yeah it's uh certainly fills in that like Kind of combo we kind of beat downy roll that forces your opponent to respect both. Kind of, I mean the 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 main the main thing for me that like caught my eye when I was playing it initially in like uh, a very different depth shell that I'll talk about a little bit later um, is it was it, it's it's kind of a balance like where you say you, you, there's like say you're against a deck with swords to plowshares right every time they swords to plowshares a creature that's not merit lage you feel a little bit like you get a little bit ahead right. And so it's really a thing that this is a one mana creature that does that. It's not a two mana creature like Dark Confidant. Um, and the other, so I'd say that's one thing is it's a one mana card instead of two mana. So you're not trading uh, down on mana against Source to Plowshares. And um, this is a card that survived Ren and Six, which is something that Dark Confidant didn't do. As, didn't do. Um, so you could pressure Ren and Six with this. With this, you know, they could become a three four pretty easily, like one mm-hmm. activation and a fetch land. Right, they can't stack wastelands on you if you have a three four punching in. Yeah, like the, the three four is is quite a is is quite something when like in especially in like the metagames that were facing up where <clears throat> it was like there were not a lot of super huge creatures, right? Like there was like a period where Dreadhorde Arcanist was just like the go to, and so you just be like, I have a three four, you can't attack, right? Unless they bolted it or something. Like, I don't care. So, um, but yeah, t- definitely tons of different depths variants. Um, so there's those more controlly versions that'll have like abrupt decay's main deck to deal mm-hmm. with um to buy some time against Delver and deal with some annoying permanents that do show up. Um Elvish Reclaimer, some decks play Tarmogoy for right. So there's there's tons of different things you can play. And you also skipped over um the most annoying depths deck, Hogak Depths. <laughs> I try not I try to block it out of my, my mind. <laughs> Just like this deck was so obnoxious. Okay, so like this deck was emerged kind of like as a meme on the depths discord. Um, and then I t- 
took it, improved it so you could cast your spells. Like the original list didn't have enough mana sources to like <laughs> cast green spells on turn one and cast black spells mm-hmm. on turn one. Like you were like on ten of each source, which like if you do them, if you like if you play magic with with doing math, like to do, like as a spike, I guess um, you'll run those numbers and say, wait, that's not very good odds of being able to do anything in a seven card hand, right? But mm-hmm. so like I took the the deck and I improved the mana and I played that like three weeks in a row and was top eating the legacy challenges every week with this like you know just take merit lage deck and then stuff a different legendary creature in it and play terrible magic cards and just you're just running over people uh so that that's like a that's a whole different version of deck that emerged and has now been completely like made obsolete by like the format reacting to depths is another like Mm -hmm. part of like the past like two months that is like really been very interesting to watch from the depth side yeah. at least. Yeah, with so the increase in Caracas's, it's kind of hard to have your backup plan be an eight-eight legendary. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was, uh, I mean, I think in the first first challenge I played with it, there were like maybe like five or six decks with Plow with a whole top thirty-two. Like mm-hmm. it, it was just like this this meta game is just people are obsessed with Ren and Six. They were obsessed with Dreadhorde Arcanist, and it was like those cards don't do anything. Just make an eight, make, like I'm like you just make an eight eight, and they didn't have a removal spell in their main deck that could kill it. They were like, I can't double bolt it with Arcanist, so I'm done. And you just like attack it as trample. So like true name didn't do anything. That that's like, that's like a big thing that I that I liked about that. I know that I'm getting like super off topic of like the actual um the actual leaving a legacy tournament and like my my deck that I played, but I did want to touch on these like other death decks that yeah do no, ex- no. that well, did exist. <laughs> Now you mentioned that the format in the last couple of months has really tried to react uh, to the to the dark depths uh, package or the, you know the versions you see running around. Are you talking about like things like uh, like rug running like uh, crop rotation in Caracas in the sideboard things like that? I definitely am. Uh, it's not um, just the you know they started off just like they were playing like some bounce spells and then they added in the crop rotation to with to get Caracas, which is pretty annoying. Um, uh, so like it's a it's a comp- having a combination of those couple things. Like the more cards you see that, like right, like against Storm for example, all these bounce spells and this crop rotation, they don't really do anything. Like mm-hmm. which make which made Cyrus's deck like really good. That's what like he did really well because people were just playing these all these depths anti depths cards, right? <clears throat> so mm-hmm. it's I mean you have to like choose. Like there's not a lot of cards that are good against like Storm that are going to be like great against depths. <laughs> just like we win with very right. different things. <laughs> Yeah, like I, yeah. I can cast one spell per turn and still be really annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, but definitely the it's not only the uh, not only uh, those, but also like the, the the mere like the mere printing of Ren and Six in general was very just like very consuming to the entire format, where you'd have all sorts of new things being done. People were shoving it into all sorts of decks, and just having the threat of a Crucible of Worlds wasteland out of, like, you know, 70% of the format, let's say, blue and non-blue, um, mm-hmm. that a lot of these decks just would never have access to something like that. That was very concerning for um, some the depth variance, at least. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, was Now, let's talk about your tournament a little bit. So you ended up going 5-0-2, correct, through the Swiss? Yeah, uh, I won the first five, and uh, after it was a little bit awkward with some... Uh, unintentional draws that uh had been uh, that other players had picked up but i was able to double mm-hmm. draw into top eight pretty safely now what did you see so i i, I did take a quick uh scan of the decks that we saw 
around the room. And I think the standout, like the you know the most played deck, and I'm just going to double check my number here. I believe was Rugged Delver. Uh, Rug Delver looks yeah, it looks like, like Rugged Delver. Yeah, seven copies. And then we saw. I was surprised how many copies of Burn there were. There were five copies of Burn in the uh, in the ninety. I think I have ninety eight decks totaled up here. So one deck list got you know lost in the shuffle, but I think we're pretty close as far as that goes. And then uh, at the same at the same point, we have like five copies of Turbo Depths. And I think I I think I lumped in like uh, like the Once Upon a Time Depths with, with your Depths deck as well. Um, I think there was also a Hogak Depths deck, so there was quite a few decks that were trying to make uh, 2020s in the room. There, um, tell us about kind of how what, you know the metagame you saw on your way into top eight. Uh, sure. I mean, like I definitely agree. Like I am taking a look at the breakdown, like and hearing what you're saying about it. Uh, I definitely agree that like that's kind of what I saw. I don't usually scout um, between rounds, like like uh, I, but um, I definitely did get get the feeling from what people were my friends were talking about they played against that there was a lot of burn a lot of rug delver and that's kind of expected um burn might have been a little bit more popular because there was a door prize for um highest finish with uh Mm -hmm. no dual lands so that having that kind of prize at all is going to encourage um players who don't own dual lands to put something together and come out and i think i think that's great getting to see the format and getting to play it um and if burn is what you want to do sure i mean you never catch me playing burn so (laughs) <laughs> but but as far as as far as what I played against, I did go ahead and uh, I I did uh, end up remembering. I know the other uh, the other interview I did, I didn't remember all the decks I played against. But uh, yeah, I played against Sneak and Show. Um, there was a Death Shadow kind of deck um, with like it was like no blue, like black, red, green. I don't know mm. if you have that on your list. Uh, uh, I I'm sure it's somewhere in there. It might have gotten just lumped in as just straight up Death Shadow, but. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, so I but I, I didn't get to really get a chance to see too many cards in the deck, honestly, because I I won pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, then I played against uh, two blue white stone blade decks. Uh, one of them had like Delver of Secrets and was like a little and days and waste and like I think wastelands. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit more aggressive, and the other one was more traditional um, with like planeswalkers uh, and uh, had some like I I got I surgical. My, this opponent, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name. I think it was like round three, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I surgical this opponent. Uh, before, like I, I, ha- I had the win in hand, but I surgical to get information, look through his deck list. And this opponent, like he told me after, he had never lost to deaths before, and I was not really? surprised. He had everything. <laughs> he had like two to fairy, like three minute to fairies. He had um, back to basics. He had two disenchants that he brought in because he was expecting oh, Sylvan Library. Which, mm-hmm. like, if you guys know me, like I like. Like I like doing the too many books. I like just drawing so many cards and then beating beating up with my, all these cards I have. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, what else? Uh, I mean, like all these cards. I was like, oh my goodness. There's a path to exile, so I can't just like surgical <laughs> swords and be safe. Yep. There's a uh, there's like a celestial purge in there too. I was like, wow. Oh there's so many annoying cards, and so I was not surprised that this is like the first time my opponent ever lost to depths. Yeah, he does not um, want to lose a depths of the list like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and he had sideboarded like what I from what I could from what I could tell like pretty perfectly like mm-hmm. all the cards that I think are weak that a lot of people don't take out. Uh, for example, I consider Jace the Mind Sculptor pretty weak. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a large mana threat that um, Vampire Hexmage can take out single handedly, and uh, I so. I don't consider the card very threatening in the matchup. Like mm-hmm. I, I sometimes take it with discard when I don't have a hex mage, but I I consider it like possible to board out. Whereas some people say, "Oh, you can't board out that. That's how you're going to win." It's like I don't I don't know if that's true. You have to bottom <laughs> every hex mage with the plus two or whatever, right? Right. Um, 
And uh, for those uh, watching the show who don't understand, don't know the intricacies of Vampire Hexmage, you can remove counters from lots of things in this format, including Planeswalkers. Yeah, we were talking about that on stream, actually. Yeah, it came up in the booth. Yeah, how, like, there's just so many cool little things that Hexmage can do. Why don't you talk about some of those, Curtis? Tell me, like, the most interesting counters you've ever taken off a permanent before. Um, so let's see. I mean, mostly, like, any any Planeswalkers... (laughs) Any planeswalker is just like just feels so good. Uh, like yeah. you know, Liliana the Veil just trades with Hexmage. You just go, mi- mm-hmm. they go minus two, and you're like, no, like that is off the table. Also, like we we both <laughs> like we just trade. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, and uh, I mean, Endless One is an example. Like you can mm-hmm. block something else and then sack to kill Endless One, which can sometimes be like a six six or something. So that's mm-hmm. pretty nice. Um, Chalice of the Void counters. Yep. Yeah, no, Chalice is the good one. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. definitely. Against Zach, I've definitely done that. Uh, so, like, you know, if opponents put Chalice on one, to st- which stops, like, crop rotation, which is, like, a really great card that you, that you want to be casting, uh, you can use Hexmage to get rid of it. Um, out of, like, the Bomberman decks, after you remove the Chalice on, like, the counter from the Chalice on one, it becomes a Chalice on zero and turns off, like, <laughs> a third of their deck, which yep. is always pretty amusing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we were talking in the booth about the interaction between that and Hex Drinker, where Hex Drinker's oh, 2-1 yeah. can't beat a 2-1 first strike, and then even if they put all the mana into it, it's just back to a 2-1. Yeah, and actually, and actually uh, uh, well, I guess it doesn't really work. For Hex Drinker, it's harder to, for Hex Mage to kill it, uh, because if it has a ton of counters on it, then you're probably going to... Right, it, it would need a, a point of damage on it to kill it, but yeah, yeah. it was a... Uh, Exactly. It so, like, for example, it, it works with Tireless Tracker. It works a lot better with Tireless Tracker, where yeah. if your opponent attacks with Tracker and you're really desperate and you've got to kill it, you can throw Hexmage in front, and then after first strike, remove counters from Tracker, and then no matter what game action they take, at some point their Tracker will have no counters and two damage marked on it, and it'll die. <laughs> so That's fantastic. That, 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 is, that is, like, good to do, like, when you're like, oh god, they have a Tracker, I am so dead, and they attack yep. it, you're like, oh no, they're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> so, like, I'm back in this game. <clears throat> well, speak, speaking of Hexmage, I want to go down the list real quick, because I think it would be good for people who are listening to, to learn a little bit more about Turbo Depths if they're not super familiar with the build. Um, although, like you said, it, it has been around for a while, so they probably do know, but uh, let's see, four Vampire Hexmage, four Elvish Spirit Guide, uh, so that that automatically shows that you're in the all-in plan on making that merit lage as fast as possible. Uh, four lotus petal, three needles, four thoughtsies, four duress, four sylvan scrying, four crop rotation, one sylvan library, and four not of this world. Not of this world is a card that we saw you use to great effect in the top eight. Uh, is that always in these uh, turbo depths variants here? Um, it's not always. Uh, so the alternatives to playing not of this playing not of this world, which like you know, a lot of people look at and say this card is terrible. Like, what if you don't have a twenty twenty? It's like this deck is a twenty twenty. Like, mm-hmm. like it's hard to not have a twenty twenty. But um, you one card that I kind of popularized. Like, I know I know that people played it as a one of in various lists to Green Sensing for like in like Maverick or whatever. But I kind of brought this card. I think like maybe two years ago. Whatever the top ban was, like right after the top ban, I brought this card out of the shadows into into like the depths as an alternative to not of this world because um, Terminus was a lot less of a card to worry about, and mm-hmm. Sylvan Safekeeper is just disgusting. Um, I played I play one in the sideboard uh, as like a backup mm-hmm. um, against like decks that have a lot of removal from Air Lage, uh, but like the so that's one alternative. The other alternative is to in game one completely ignore 
um, things that target merit age, which I don't think is a really good plan right now. But there's definitely been lists that I've seen floated that are play Abrupt Decay main deck mm-hmm. and don't play like anything to protect your 2020, except for crop rotation and your discard spells, of course. Yep. And the way that crop rotation protects your guy, in case anyone's just reading the deck list for the first time, um, you can grab Sejiri Step. Mm-hmm. And when Sejiri Step enters play, you can select your Merit Lage and give it protection from a color of your choice. And that can be used to protect from Swords to Plowshares, um, not from a Caracas, uh, but you can crop rotation for a ghost quarter to kill that. Um, but, and then, uh, you can also use a security step to get through flying blockers by giving the protect protection means they can't block with the, that color either. Yep. Um, all right. Yeah. And let's go down the lands real quick as well. Since you mentioned Sejiri step four, sure. four dark depths, four stage, uh, four Urborg, tomb of Yawgmoth, four Vernon catacombs, two Bayou, one forest, one Swamp, one Sejiri Step, one Bajugabog, one Ghost Quarter, and one Caracas. So the main deck there is, like you said, all in on making that 2020. That we're going to do it as fast as we can. Uh, that's our that's our game plan. That's our only game plan. Um, do you want to go over the sideboard and kind of uh, how you know how that played out for you during the during the uh, during the day? Uh, oh, do you want me to go over my sideboard? Yeah, sure. sure. Um, uh, I'm just interested to see, like you know. Because you're so focused on making the the merit lage, uh, you're not. I feel like you're not so typically worried about you know pulling cards out for bad matchups because you really want to just keep that game plan. It seems to me like you want to be as fast as you can making that merit lage. So I'm interested to see kind of what role your your sideboard plays in your matchups. Sure. So there's in in most of the matchups. Um, well, let's say there's a couple different kinds of matchups. There are matchups where your combo deck is worse than their combo deck. There's a there are matchups where it's easy to make the 2020, but hard to protect it. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely matchups where it's hard to make the 2020, but once you do, you pretty much just win. Like asterisk, like unless they have some crazy cyber card, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's like another set that like I guess doesn't fall into those categories. But those three kind of simplify things a little bit for talking about the sideboard. So, for example, against Storm, uh, Storm is a, what I'll call, better combo deck. They can combo on turn one and kill me before I get a turn. Um, so if they're on the play, then they're hugely advantaged because they can just pull that off and uh, there's nothing I can really do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that matchup, I've got four sphere effects that slow them down. Um, and those cards really don't have a ton of other applications and other matchups. Uh, maybe against, like, Belcher or something, sure. Like, I'm going to sure. bring these in, but... Against something like Sneak and Show, like these cards don't really do anything because, mm-hmm. like, they're like it's, they're not being delayed too much by the one extra mana per spell. Whereas Storm is like really, uh, they they like it's it's very difficult for them to combo off through one of them, and two of them is pretty much impossible. Uh, so I do have four of them, and I've got a split. So I've got one Thorn of Amethyst, one Sphere of Resistance, and two Damping Sphere, um, and. That might that probably looks a little bit odd. Like you know, why not just pick? Mm-hmm. But if you if you assume like if you well not assume if you say if you convince yourself that against Storm these four are identical, which I pretty much am convinced. I have not had an opponent win through any single one of them just on its own. So against Storm, let's say this is just a two mana card that says you can't beat this, you can't win until this is off the table from a bounce spell or or some removal, right? Mm-hmm. Then it is better to run a split because there are cards in this format that care what what the card names are. So the okay. the most played one is Echoing Truth. So mm-hmm. if in there's say there's some game which probably like is like in one in every fifteen games, I draw a second sphere effect 
and I'm going to play it because it'll buy me time. Mm-hmm. If it is the same name as the other one I've already played, then Echoing Truth gets rid of both, and that's one of their cards that get unlocks their way to win. Mm-hmm. While if those two cards that are functionally identical just have different names, then they need two Echoing Truths or an Echoing Truth gotcha. and something else. Like they can't get out of their get, Echoing Truth can't set them free, and it's very rare that they'll bring in something like Hercules Recall. It's a little bit too narrow. Um, but in that case, I mean, whatever you whatever sphere effect you're going to play doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really just a question for me of whether you play like three or four. So if I was going to play three, I'd play one of each. And then the fourth is just like the card I happen to own in paper was a damping sphere. So I had to <laughs> throw that in there. Gotcha. Um, I probably would play a thorn if I, uh, if I was going to play in paper again. Um, that was just a card, like a card availability issue. And it actually never came up because I never sideboarded these cards in. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't see storm uh, on the week. Uh, I did not. I saw the only, the only, well, I was about to say the only combo deck, but I saw two different combo decks. But uh, the, um, I mean, I think if you, in your metagame breakdown, let's see, I didn't see Storm on here. Yeah, so there's like five players on Storm, mm-hmm. looks like. And then I don't know if Bryant's, in, oh, and Bryant's by himself, so six. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so. There's also like a Bizarro Storm as well. Oh, oh yeah, sure. there was like the Tin Fins variant Storm, yep. <clears throat> yeah, so. But yeah, it was not a large chunk of the room. Yeah, so, well, that's solid. Seven, seven out of 99 is pretty solid, but I mean, definitely. Uh, not the metagame where you want to be spending four slots on Storm. So I, if, if I was going to know the metagame going forward, like going into my next tournament, I probably would cut down to three. Mm-hmm. Um, they're definitely a very important card to have, though. Like, the like if you don't have dedicated Storm hate, it's very difficult to fight them. Like, people sometimes play Himnoturek, which has some applications against, like, Sneak and Show, where you just want more discard in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just been, never been very pleased with Himnoturek because, well... I mean, sometimes sometimes you miss like it's usually it's like the key cards that you're trying to hit, um, and the f- well, this is kind of a complicated like question that I talk about with the depths players. But I like cards that need a bounce spell to get rid of in the matchup, um, and that's just because merit Lage is bounceable, and I I like that my combo and my hate all demand the same answers. Mm-hmm. And so some some there's some depth players that completely disagree with me on this, and I completely understand like their reasoning. But the way I in my head have logic through it is if like if I land a sphere effect, and then after that I have assembled the combo by going for the combo and then be forcing them to bounce my combo piece and having like you know I have to rebuild, but they're still locked out. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just a. It's a little different kind of uh, kind of mindset. Uh, hmm. Like it's 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 a really complicated like thing to say and explain. I, I couldn't I couldn't really explain it very well. Uh, <laughs> well, no, there's there's two ways of looking at it, and you're in one. You can either be in the camp of because you're a deck that has merit lage, they need to bring in those type of bounce spells, versus because you're a deck that has merit lage, those type of bounce spells need to be stretched. So it's which side do you fall on of? You're bringing in hate that you know they will have answers for versus making them use their answers on things that aren't your 2020. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's not many other options, honestly, is the, is the other half. Like, sure, I could ignore the matchup, and that would have been very great for me in this tournament because I didn't ever board them in. Um, but I think that there's space in the sideboard, and I think that the storm is the storm matchup is present enough and concerning enough that you can have some dedicated hate. I mean, you could play something like Mindbreak Trap or Himbaturak, like I said before, um, but those cards have been occasionally good for me, but I 
I, I still recommend this, the sphere effects. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, so so that's like one... Sorry, going way back to like when I was talking about the different categories of decks and how I build my sideboard, right? Uh, so that kind of deck is like the, the deck that I need like dedicated hate for, right? So that's the... the the sphere, the sphere effects are one of those. The other one is the Force of Vigors. And that's for you, Zach. That's for you guys. You're like, my combo is three mana, Blood Moon. You you can't do anything. And so for those matchups, I know that it's not a slam dunk. Like, it'll always kill their hate piece, Zach. I know that you're going to play you're gonna play Magus of the Moon, and that's the one card I can't kill with it. Correct. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> It, it all in addition to being great in this moon stompy which you know you can't you can't make a 2020 if your dark depths is a mountain like doesn't matter if there's no counters just it won't trigger but it's also really good in a lot of these other like what I'll call annoying matchups where there's a ton of like artifacts and enchantments in play and they all have like little annoying things that they do and it being able to use this as a two for two feels so great just like I'll kill that and that <clears throat> and so like for yeah. example um Something like uh, uh, Bomberman sometimes is like this, where like they'll have like a staring bridge, and then they'll also play like a Mystic Forge or something. And you're mm-hmm. just like, I'll kill that and that, thanks. <laughs> um, or uh, like uh, I get think not as not played as and played not eh, not played and encountered as much anymore as the Steel Stompy, where they'll have like a bunch of like Arcbound, oh, Ravager, yeah. and yep. uh, Steel Overseer. And they'll also be able to play in Snaring Bridge in their deck because they can win with Blocking Ballista. And so Force of Vigor also is like pretty good against uh, that, just cleaning out like a Chalice and a Bridge or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it answers a lot of your most problematic, like you said, Chalice, Bridge, Moon. It's just the cards that are permanent based that hate you tend to almost all fall under that like band of cards. Yeah. And I do play enough green cards that it's pretty easy to pitch cast. It's not a, not a big deal. Um... And it also is randomly good in other matchups. I actually, you bring it in against Sneak and Show now, I think. Those are what I'm finding more and more. Hmm. And because it can kill Sneak Attack if they just mm-hmm. find a way to play it and pass, right? Um, or on Omniscience, if they get to Show until Omniscience and cast Emrakul, you actually technically can still win this game by um, Force of Vigoring the Omniscience. They still get an extra turn, but then your deck is designed to look for lands, right? And if you have looked for a Caracas and played it, then you can Caracas the Emrakul. So they all they do is oh. they, they show and tell, put in omniscience, cast Emrakul. They get an extra turn, but then the Emrakul still ends up back in their hand, and you don't have to sack your whole board, which is usually how they uh, get you there. Have you been bringing it in against Death and Taxes, out of curiosity? Um, they seem to have, between Revoker... Some of their things aren't as good, but I know their main hate against you is specifically Revoker. Yeah, I mean, you. I think so. I mean, I I haven't thought about that matchup too much because I it's so it's so miserable for me. Um, but it's just there's so many cards you have to deal with. But I definitely think that a free card that kills two annoying cards, like for example, like an Ether Vial and an Equipment, or an Ether Vial and a Revoker, could be very valuable. Uh, I think I've, I've played like the matchup only like two times with the, with Force of Vigors though, so I can't really comment too much. Um, it makes sense, but uh, I'd probably bring it in that that matchup as well. Um, so then, continuing with the rest of like my sideboard, I guess uh, there's some pretty standard sideboard card like uh, Abrupt Decay, which is good in a number of different matchups, like Delver to kill a creature, Miracles to kill a Counterbalance, or Back to Basics or Mentor. Um, I mean, the, the, there's so many things that this thing kills. This 
clears up pithing needles out of any deck that plays pithing needle. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not I'm not going to really go into that too much because that's just a pretty obvious card. If you're playing black and green, you should have this in your 75. Yeah. Uh, let's see. There's some obvious grave hate uh, cards. I've got um, a little different configuration on my grave hate where I have two surgical extraction and one extirpate. And I, this is not a budget concern, actually. Um, the, so the typical build that I would do is triple surgical extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, however, in general, the black red reanimator matchup is pretty solid because you have access to insta speed, bajuka bog, as well as discard in your own combo. And so sure. you get a slight edge by changing one surgical extraction to an extirpate because it's uncounterable and, hard, and almost impossible to respond to out of miracles and lands and which you surgical extraction is not like surgical extraction is great in those matchups for for things, various things you target, but extirpates disgusting sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. if miracle, like cause miracles can like have plays where they protect their swords to plowshares in their graveyard by um, either surgical, using their own surgical to just remove one or they'll go like snapcaster plow their own snapcaster out of the graveyard to remove the target. And extirpate just gets rid of all those options. It's like, no, there's nothing you can do. It's just going to happen. All right, that sounds like a very smart like hedge there that doesn't cost you too much in the long run. And again, like you said, you're pretty good against black-red. It helps you break uh, Cabal Therapies and stuff like that. No one's ever could name an extirpate. Sure, I guess that, that, that is technically true. Um, Cabal Therapy I did not really think about, but that, that that's not really part of the decision. It, it's... Like, sure, it's just those little uh, extra side bonuses along the way. Sure, yeah. Like in in that in the black red random ma- matchup in particular, you definitely would rather have surgical 100 percent of the time. I'm not arguing that. Um, just be- being free and being able to win through it like a chancellor on turn one, if you get a chance to play a land or have a spirit guide, then is just so. Right, you just had, like you so said, valuable. it's a pretty good matchup for you anyway. So you can kind of take your points off there and put them into your miracles matchup and stuff. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's most of my sideboard for Felix seven and ten. 13. So there, there's a Sylvan Library and... A, safe, a Safekeeper. Right? Oh yeah, Sylvan Safekeeper. Yeah. I talked about that a little bit before. Yep. Yeah, Sylvan Safekeeper is just great against all that category of decks that are trying are really good at killing Merit Lage. Um, I had a game against uh, one of the Stoneblade decks, uh, my Stoneblade opponents, uh, where I played land number 5. So I had Stage, Depths, and 3 lands. I tapped one of them and played Safekeeper. And my opponent was like, oh no! because <laughs> uh, there there was like i i was there was gonna be a big fight right then because mm-hmm. the safekeeper is just so hard to deal with when you have a couple land drops just every single land that you don't need anymore turns into a no that plow doesn't work right so on my end of turn he tried to kill it he tried to kill it twice so i like sacked a land the first time then i used my remaining four lands to make a 2020 and then i sacked a land to save it a second time and then they tried to kill my merit lage so i saved that so i used i used all five of my lands i lost two of them to make the 2020 and i spent three of them to protect stuff and then my opponent went to their turn and i I was ready to you know lose if they Mm -hmm. had another one right because i don't have any more lands so it doesn't do anything anymore uh but then they did not have another answer or cantrip to find one so they just were able to like play i think they played like a a blocker or something Mm -hmm. i think i think they had a blocker (laughs) <laughs> hmm, i'm trying to remember I, uh, they, they had some sort of blocker oh yeah they had atomic atomic oh, and okay. like the uh the guy that turns off my whole deck also you know one of those cards um and i had just sacked my caracas 
that Thomas which randomly has flying, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. He's a human. How, how does he fly? It doesn't I don't make know. any sense. It's got a gargoyle pet. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I guess. But I had just sacked my Caracas to uh, save my Merit Lage uh, because the, I guess the Caracas had been holding back him from playing the Tomic, so I actually hadn't seen it this game. Uh, but then, but I mean, just a blocker is fine. I go to my turn and I get to play a land, so now I'm insulated against the next removal spell he finds. I was like, this is. I was like, this is great. So then, <laughs> then, then, he, like, just but. Turned three of my lands into discard spells. That, that that's unreasonable. That's such an unreasonable card at that stage of the game. So, <clears throat> out of curiosity, why do you go when you're into like the singleton category? Why do you go with that over something like Steely Resolve? So, Steely Resolve is is not as good as you might think. Um, so, Steely Resolve, like for those for people who haven't read the card, uh, Steely Resolve, you name a card type, two man enchantment, and that. All, all creatures with that type have Shroud, not Hexproof. So the the way that comes, the way that's a problem is when you're trying to get past a flying blocker, um, Sejiri Step needs to be able to target your Merit Lage. And it's like, for example, like as Death and Taxes, like one of the, one of the, you know, many annoying things they can do is they can set up a Flyer and Mother of Runes, and Mother of Runes can get protection from black to their mm. creatures so they can block every turn. If you sure. play a Steely Resolve, you can't win. Like, there's basic, like, I mean, you need a Pithing Needle, like, to have a chance in this in the, in this scenario. And, well, otherwise, you just, on, like, you've locked yourself out of your only way of getting past this Flying Blocker, is giving your own guy protection from white. Um, so, definitely, I've had, I've played Steely Resolve in the past, and it's been pretty solid, but Safekeeper's kind of messed up um, okay. in the things it does. Like, they're, they're both very similar kind of effects and like how they answer tons and tons of different effects all at once. Um, but uh, I got, I still, I still prefer safekeeper in for, for a number of reasons. I mean, sure. You can say like, if you, if you try to step and you have to use safekeeper, then you've nullified your own step anyway, but it, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit different. Um, I really did like uh Steely Resolve when I was playing the Hogak deck, uh, where you had Hogak and Merit Lage, because those are both avatars. Uh, so that, that that was pretty nice, and so I think that might be a case where you'd want that card. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then I think my... So the last card's the Sylvan Library, which is just... just I, I love these cards. Yeah. Just, anytime your Merit Lage get plowed, you get to pay eight and draw some extra cards. <laughs> uh People, I don't think people pay enough life with it. Against me, like I know my opponent is really good at when they bring in their own Sylvan Library and they immediately pay eight, like yep. to draw like some you know passable cards. Yeah, like just <clears throat> like I'm just trying to deal you damage and touch a twenty. Like it's it's <laughs> it's a really good card. It's especially good against sort of plowshares matchups, but you can also bring it in if you're trying to dig for like very specific answers, like Force of Vigor and Decay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's everything. <clears throat> very cool. Um, so let's talk about the top eight. Uh, so you, again, you said you went five zero in the Swiss, double drew in a top eight, and then uh, let's see. Uh, in the quarterfinals of the top eight, you were facing Evan on Blue Red Delver. Tell us about the Blue Red Delver matchup because this is one that I've played mo- on multiple occasions, and I've played it in the deck that has no wastelands, and I've played in the deck that has four wastelands and vapor snags, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, submerged in the side. So tell us a little bit about your your Blue Red Delver matchup and how that match went. Sure. Um, Blue Red Delver is very interesting because there's a number of ways to build it with uh, with respect to like what, how you're going to run your answers to depths, mm-hmm. like whether you're going to play wastelands, whether the bounce spells are going to be main deck or sideboard or both or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
Fortunately, in the top eight, like I got decklists, and this is the matchup, so it's kind of like really hard to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And I was able to look through my opponent's decklist, and he had Wasteland, and that was it in game one. There was there were no bounce spells. There was no, like there was nothing that could deal with a Merit Lage. And so I'm on the play, and I draw my opening hand of natural Urborg Stage Depths, which is like you know awesome in the matchup because he has no. Um, the, the, his best his best cards in the matchup are wastelands and counter spells. Right. And Urborg Stage Depths get makes all of his counter spells don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I also had a Pithing Needle. So on, on turn one, I played Pithing Needle and it <laughs> resolves. And I was yep. like, all right, well that's that's the game. It's over. Yep. You can't you like unless you go turn one Delver, turn two like two more Delvers, attack me for nine and like triple bolt me. Like you're not gonna win. Right. There's there's nothing you can do. Like that, that game was pretty much over. And I think it like you saw pretty convincingly like. I don't even know if like did you catch it on the stream or was it over too quickly? Uh, I, I think I think it was over too quickly. <laughs> Jeez, I believe if so. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, it it was. I mean, you know, I just went turn turn three. I even drew like a thought seize, um, and I had a, like an extra item fast mana also, so mm-hmm. I was able to thought seize to see if he had a stifle, so that I could combo a turn faster if he did. But he didn't even have, didn't have a stifle, so it was just over. Yeah, yeah, I saw that in, the, in his sideboard. He had access to like a couple blood moon. Uh, there was like a brazen borrower, which I suppose can come in, and then Caracas, and then a single submerge. So he had a few cards to bring in against you, but it can be so hard, especially if you just lose game one so convincingly. Like if you don't have like the if you can't like fade a vapor snag, you know, or, or pray for that vapor snag at some point, it's a little it's a little tough to beat depths in the in the sideboard of games for sure. Yeah, I don't I don't think he even had a vapor snag. I think he had brazen borrower. No. Yep. Yeah, Brazen Borrower, Blood Moon, Blood Moon, Car- uh, Caracas. That was yep. it. And a submerge, so he, and that was that. That, that was his. He, only did, he did have a submerge in the sideboard. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Know, I don't know if I even caught that. Yeah, yep. but uh, but uh, the so I I looked at that and I was not too afraid. There were not like like I wasn't looking at like you know eight bounce spells or something mm-hmm. crazy, right? Um, which has never happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Blood Moon is kind of annoying, and I did play. I did, the way my opponent played. Um, on my turn two, I think I was very suspect of Blood Moon. Um, so I, I went like turn one stage go, and then turn two I played a Black Source, and I duressed. And I was trying to get Blood Moon off the, like out of his hand because he was going to have three mana next turn, and he hadn't played anything like super scary. He just played a Pyre. He tapped out to play a Pyromancer on two, yeah. which yep. I thought was pretty questionable right. when he had a Wasteland. Um, I actually thought the same. I th- this game, I actually think we did catch because I remember that play. We did happened. catch, yeah, you did catch yeah. this one because uh, yeah, I, 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 I have been back through and I, I watched, so I, I okay. know a little bit more of what was going on in his hand too, so I can talk about that. But what I was thinking, um, so but in that spot, uh, he played a pyromancer, but I thought was very suspect and very ambitious because he mm-hmm. could just die. Mm-hmm. Like I, I could very easily go depths, pitch two spirit guides, win. Right and like there's no, like I mean he have to have a Caracas right or one of his bounce spells, um, which he did which he didn't have at the time I happen to know mm-hmm. from from like having having looked at his side of the of the right. game so I thought it was a little bit suspect but defensible if like I just lead on stage it's not like I do have to have quite a few good cards to to combo off and considering he didn't have like if he gets to untap then he has a threat and a wasteland and mm-hmm. he has some stifles and stuff right so. Not too. He's not too bad off if he gets untapped. So it's it's defensible. Um, it's still questionable. And then, uh, so I was worried about a blood moon because because that play looked so questionable. Um, I said, you know, this this play would be really good if he had like blood moon like next turn. 
So I think I went like discard and then he forced it and I was like convinced to get Blood Moon. So I rotated to get a black source in desperation to cast my other discard spell. Because otherwise I ca- I looked at my hand and I said, I'm you just place Thurland Blood Moon, I can't do anything. I, I don't I don't know if any way around it, so I have to try to discard it. And he didn't even have it. Um <laughs> so but he did have he did have two stifles and a surgical. Mm-hmm. Um I, I ended up taking the surgical because uh, I, I I had sacrificed a stage. Is my graveyard and another one in my hand, and I was pretty convinced I needed that stage to beat his wasteland. Um, so I really, I, re- I really didn't want to rely on uh, just hex mages to get out of there. So I kind of had to take the surgical. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's correct for him to surgical there. I, I was surprised that he didn't surgical. I think I said that when I was watching that when you cast that second duress, and we knew that he didn't have something like a blood moon mm-hmm. that you had to take. I think that his best shot was nailing the stage from your yard and then trying to rely on that wasteland to hold you off because at that point you only have four ways of making a uh, 2020 yep. yeah I mean something like a needle might have been able to like stop his wasteland uh, which is like something else I could find but um, it, it's possible to do it like but maybe he was just trying to wait to tag a depths or something and if he does that then he loses a like if he, gets to, he draws a blue source and he has to hold up stifle stifle he's pretty much good to go anyway mm-hmm. so I mean, I th- again, I thought that was defensible. Um, so I took the surgical just because I thought I needed the stage. Um, and then pretty much I played a hex mage to buy some time. Nothing happened for a couple turns. He found his Caracas, but he couldn't. Um, and he found a Blood Moon at some point. And then when he finally played Blood Moon, um, I, he held up only one blue for a stifle. Um, and I happened to have be able to combo, be able to combo twice. So yep. I was able to beat that. Um, if he had played around, if he played the other way and gone for holding up Caracas, then he loses to Not of This World, which he knows about is in my is in my deck because mm-hmm. we have deck list, right? And so, I mean, it's it's really a question of, like what you want to play around, and in this yeah. spot, it's like he, he has two stifles, so like I'm I'm not sure what I would have done in this spot. Like, I mean, it's kind of like it would come down to his read of like mm-hmm. what I had. Sure. So. And then, uh, let's see, so the other quarterfinals matchups were uh, Freya uh, over Jacob, uh, who was on Rug. Freya was on the uh, Once, Upon a, Once Upon a Time Depths. Um, we had Adam uh, losing to, uh, he was on Eurekatel, lost to Elves. And then Bryant piloting TES, um, he lost to Elijah, who was on Rug. Uh, and then, um, <clears throat> I know you got the scoop in the semifinals. So yeah. you were over elves, and you were into the finals there. Uh, was it was that like a time constraint kind of thing, or? Yeah. Um, what was my opponent's name again? Rachel. For the semifinals. No. Uh, for the semifinals. Yeah. Yeah, it was a uh, Rachel Feinersch. Yeah. Rachel. Okay, so yeah, Rachel had to leave. Um, had to leave to get dinner. I think is what I understood the time yeah. constraint was. But I mean, we all like agreed to uh, split prizes at that point. Yeah, so the top four. It was right? ju- like it was just a matter of sticking around to play for the title. Yeah. Uh, so. I, um, I, I was, I was still feeling good. So I, I decided to stick around. Nice. So I, I guess it worked out pretty well. Yeah. And, <laughs> uh, and then Freya, Freya, uh, beat Elijah, uh, in, in her, uh, semifinals match to make it into the finals. So then we had, so in the finals, we had you on, uh, turbo depths and then Freya on, uh, what, what she refers to as medium rare depths. And that's like more of the, uh, the four Elvish reclaimer two Elvish spirit guide. And then four once upon a time, which was a really interesting card. And then her sideboard was more of like the aggro plan like we had talked about earlier with four tarmogoyf uh two sylvan safekeeper two lily of the veil 
three, uh, two Veil of Summer, three Plague Engineer, and then two Fairy Macabre. So a little more aggressive of, of a sideboard plan there in the creature, kind of in the creature suite. And uh, tell us a little bit about your finals matchups because those are really fun to watch. Yeah, um, so definitely this is another time where it's very informative to have uh, deck lists mm-hmm. top eight. Uh, it's a, it changes the game a ton mm-hmm. um, in yep. this kind of matchup where I think I'd mentioned in the uh, interview immediately after that there's so many different cyborg cards that you are like wondering are they going to come down like there's there could be dark confidant in play on turn one out of either of us there could have been bitter blossom in play mm-hmm. on either side right which is another level of annoy like you know some annoying permanent that you know there's only certain only so many ways we have of getting like a permanent off the table that's not a land um and then you know obviously there's all the other complications with both of us have four thespian stage and instant speed tutors for all of our one ofs, and uh, we can make a twenty twenty at any time or kill a twenty twenty at any time. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so many and there's like all the different rules interactions that come with that is something that like takes a, a long time to know all of the rules interactions and not only just how those different um, how this how those different layers of like activating and then responding and then responding back and responding on top of that how all of those work. Like the correct order to sequence, and then uh, there's there's so many different light levels in this matchup. It's I I mentioned I mentioned before, but I think this is one of the most tense matchups to play in Legacy. It might not be the most tense to watch. Um, uh, it might just seem like we're just doing nothing because we're just scared of doing anything, which is definitely the case. Well, that um, makes a lot of sense. I did get a chance to catch, uh, to review and like watch, uh, watch the coverage. Uh, and you guys did a really great job. Um, I would say you guys probably captured about seventy percent of what was going on, <laughs> and that's actually that's actually really really good. Um, I'd say like most of the commentary you see of these matchups is, you know, thirty or forty percent. There's like I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happens if you activate stage here. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, Zach, I thought you did a really good job of, like, trying to capture as much as possible of what was going on. Um, other than that, like, I mean, you didn't have audio, but, like, there was, like, some, like, we, uh, there's obviously some banter going on, too, because... Uh, oh, yeah, Fra- that's what I said. Like, these two people are friends. They're, you know, they're locals. They see each other a, a fair bit. And there was obviously, you know, some vocal stuff lost. I mean, as, you know, from above, we couldn't quite make out the hands, so I didn't have perfect information. But I, I agree with you in that that matchup is very tense, and one wrong step by either person is just they're dead. Oh yeah, and definitely I've definitely misstepped. Like because it's so easy to get yeah. killed. Like I, I've definitely misstepped in the matchup, and I believe that I have gone as far as to after screwing up, go into the Magic Online chat and apologize to my opponent for how badly <laughs> I played. And I've definitely been I've definitely been apologized to as well. It's definitely a thing that people do. So, that, I I can tell you, stompy players don't do that. Yeah, they're just like, wow, look, our Owlmaster, shake hands. Yep. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I I can talk. I mean, there's too many like interesting plays to talk about, but um, I'd say one thing that was very interesting was um, I was not sure whether or not, well, I'll start with main deck. I'll start with the main decks. Main decks, I looked at and I said this matchup's terrible for me. Because in game one, because Freya's on the play because she's t- number one seed, um, and she has Elvish Reclaimer and I don't. And Elvish Reclaimer, as you said correctly on the cast, is like completely mirror breaking if you have time to activate it. So on the draw, I was really looking for a fast hand and I didn't really find it. 
Um, and so I had to go for a line that you guys covered again, um, uh, that was, uh, hoping, basically hoping to draw step or Caracas, which was what I evaluated as like my best chance. And because I think what would happen otherwise is end of turn Freya would have gotten wasteland number one and then held it up forever. And then at the end of my next turn would have gotten wasteland number two and then would have gotten a stage and then would have gotten a Caracas and just like it would have fetched out every single land that had text in the matchup. And then I would lose at some point to something. Yeah. Just too many landmines to, you know, hope to tiptoe through Yeah, too many things to name with the needle is basically the objective with that card. Um, right. So, and then on top of, on top of my concerns and my not great hand, uh, she did in fact have an excellent start, uh, playing reclaimer on turn one and discarding me. And so I needed to go for that fast line. And so actually there was a line that she missed and you guys missed as well, which she actually could have stopped me from being able to go for this line at all. Um, and so it, but it, it, it's, it's a very rare line that comes up. Um, so at what happened was I had stage and one untapped land and uh, spirit guide and crop rotation in my hand. I think is how that sure. is how this worked out at the uh, and this is at the end of her turn three and she's passing back with stage copy up to get to copy my depths um, when I went for it and so I calculated that I needed to go for it um, or maybe maybe I had three lands maybe this was later. Um, but so I went ahead and went for the crop rotation. And so at that point, um, I was planning to get depths and use her Urborg to tap for mana. And then, um, that, that, ma- that mana I get off the Urborg would be enough to, um, copy my depths. Sure. So she actually could have stopped this by, in response to my crop rotation, sacking her, her Urborg and going and getting like a wasteland or something. Cause then my depths enters play but it can't tap for mana. Right, and you're just short and have found yourself, you know, using one of your biggest tools to not take advantage that turn. Yeah, and, and I would have lost immediately. Now, here's yep. the thing. I did have a spirit guide, and so I actually was... I, ha- I did have an extra spirit guide here, so I was able to pay for it. I, I had to, I, I calculated out, I was like, this line probably will not come up, but if it does, I will still be ready. Um... And so that didn't that didn't end up happening. I think I think I, I ne- didn't need I I, I didn't need uh, the extra mana because she did not make that play. She just went for the copy my depths plan, which is uh, which was solid. Um, and then I did not end up drawing like my two outer. I think was like I think it was because she has lethal on the next turn from reclaimer, of course, because reclaimer is disgusting. Um, <clears throat> so game one was over, and so I actually was I actually was kind of expecting that. And I was pleased to be able to be on the play for a game, and like I thought my cyborg was actually a lot better um, because I have Sylvan Library. I've got access to Decay now uh, to kill uh, a Tarmogoy for something if if she cyborged in those, or to kill a Reclaimer is like the main concern. Sure. Um, actually, some of my best cards were not of those worlds, as you were able to see in game two. <laughs> yeah, um, that was because yeah, that... because they're they're not on board, and the, there's even there's only one Caracas that can target a Merit Legion play. Having just one out of those worlds is enough to clear the way and stop that. So we noticed that uh, she was shuffling in all of her cards for the sideboard to obviously not let you know if the like the conversion plan was going on. 
what did you think was going to happen, and how did you board in this particular matchup because of that? Um, I was kind of going to board the same way, I, I, same either way. I really wanted three abrupt decay and my Sylvan Library, and uh, I, what was the other one I boarded in? Uh, uh, the Safekeeper. Yep. I I was going to board yep. in just those five, no matter what, because the Force of Vigors are obviously not very good. The Thorns don't do anything. I could have brought in the Surgicals, uh, but I don't like the Surgicals in this matchup at all, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not sideboard out any depths uh, because, like, I, I've definitely done that in various mirrors before. But since Elvish Reclaimer uh, is in my opponent's deck and not in mine, I really need to be able to combo as quickly as possible. Like, if, if my opponent plays Reclaimer, I might only have like you know one or two turns after that before mm-hmm. it's unsalvageable. Um, sure. And so, as far as what my what Freya was gonna do. Um, I was not actually not too concerned about the creature plan. Um, Plague Engineer look looks kind of annoying on paper because it shuts off my hex mages, but mm-hmm. three mana is a lot to contribute in the matchup. Yep, and on so- at sorcery speed, and so I w- I was actually not too afraid of that. Um, I think she did end up having it in at least one of the games. Uh, Tarmogoyf can be good. Like two two mana is like a, a step down. And it's like you can find opportunities to play it. Um, but. I thought with like the like the really the only card I was worried about like as a creature was Elvish Reclaimer, mm-hmm. um, just 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 because it, it it's really not too much about the beatdown for me. Uh, it's really it's really just about the Reclaimers. Just every turn going to go get a, a land with a different name that says something that I don't like. So sure, that makes sense. So um, and then all the other like cyber cards, I saw she didn't have surgicals, so I was uh, feeling pretty good about that because. That's a card that people sometimes bring in against me, and it's nice to know that I can sacrifice my depths at any time if I need to. Like, if I draw a second depths, I can rotate my first one away and get something useful and then play the second one, which is not a play you can make, like, against every opponent because you might just lose the game immediately. Yeah, no, n- knowing the sideboard there means that you don't need to worry about, you know, the old proverbial getting got out of something, especially when, you know, like you said, you only have that single ghost quarter. You're... Uh, surgicals are not fantastic and hers if she had had them may have been good but the fact that you knew they weren't there let you just kind of go off freely yeah I mean they can be good but other times they can just really be not impressive like sometimes people get disc- uh, in the mirror or semi mirror people get discarded a bunch and there's a bunch of cards in the graveyards but like no cards in hand so like it's hard to nab a crop rotation or whatever like it's, it's hard to yeah, really get a, get a it's hard to get a good card out of their hand with it and it's really hard to tag depths because if depths end up in the graveyard like it's it, it most most players can man can manage that they can manage to have outs to that like for example if I try to surgical adepts maybe they rotate for adepts first mm-hmm. and then they still have one more depths to use um so um yeah, being on the playing game too was excellent, and I, my hand was really well set up for what I wanted to do, which was uh, fast combo plus not of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 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 went pretty well because uh, let's see, I don't recall too much what happened in that game. I think it was mostly like I, I think I, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, because mo- you just kind of comboed and went, "Look, I have not of this world." <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so I was vulnerable to. So I think yeah, she had a Caracas that game, right? Yes. Yeah, so she had the Caracas, so what needed to happen was she needed to draw a discard spell and then discard my Nod of this world first. And just that didn't happen. Like that that was just a chance I was taking there. Um Sure. So, but that was really her only out. 
for that game. And I was fortunate in that game that she did not have an Elvish Reclaimer. I, th- I don't think I don't think it would have been in time, but um, and then in game three again, she did not have turn one Elvish Reclaimer, uh, which was like really just what I was worried about on the draw, where my hand was once again set up pretty well to go turn two combo with not at this world backup. Like my hand was actually pretty insane. Uh, if you saw in, in, game, in game three, yeah, but, I, I remember that. I think both players' hands in this. In game three, were actually pretty good, but I think yours lined up in a very good way as well. Yeah, like I mean, there were like there were like I was immune to like being wastelanded because I had spear guide crop rotation. I could make the twenty twenty. I could make a merit lage and then rotate for like a ghost quarter or something to protect my to protect from them making an uh, get protect from Frey making her twenty twenty. Um, I had my not of this world, and I, I got discarded a little bit, um, which was fine. I didn't think that scrying was good. I mean, to take. Personally, like I think crop rotation and all those were all like the two super scary cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it really depends like what she had. I didn't have a really good good look at her hand in when I watched the replay, but I, th- I think I saw there were a bunch of creatures. I think so. I believe so. So maybe that was good. Um, yeah, but then uh, game 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 three was like um, was definitely like uh, a lot more. Like I had to try to get a read, and I really couldn't on whether Freya had a crop rotation because, like, the whole game, she held up a green. Mm-hmm. Like, she couldn't play any of your creatures because she was dead on board to the 2020. So she had to hold up a green the whole game uh, to bluff or hold up crop rotation. And I don't know which one it is. Um, and this is where uh, something you guys don't know is um, there's a, the let's see, not the last time I played against Freya, but two times ago, she... Uh, drew a crop rotation one turn after I discarded her crop rotation, mm-hmm. and I got completely destroyed because of it. So <laughs> I always assume that she has the crop rotation now, <laughs> even after, even right after a discard spell. That's great. And actually, what was funny was she drew it literally the turn after I, I presented the twenty twenty. She drew it like her turn two. So, right, she uh, got put in the at the end of that game, kind of a squeeze where she had to choose to get either Caracas or Wasteland. To try to stop you, and I believe she just picked wrong. Well, correct? if you if you if you roll back a little bit more, actually, um, so there was there was a weird play that she made where she copied my depths and made a twenty twenty of her own and tried to attack me with it with like playing the step and everything to give it pro black, and yeah. where she knew about spirit guide crop rotation, and so like I'm I'm pretty sure that she knew about that from turn one, and I'm going to assign this a little bit like I mean. It's it's late in the day, right? Yeah, I mean, it's every, mental fatigue. Like, everyone's issue. tired. Um, and keep in mind, Freya played all seven rounds of the Swiss, and then right, she was first and, and every round of the she top was six eight. And she, one. This is her tenth match mm-hmm. of the day. Yep. This is my seventh match. Like I I, yeah, I had so. two draws. Inten- I had two intentional draws in the Swiss, and so then like two I hours didn't off have to play day. <laughs> Yeah, and I and I didn't have to play the semis right yeah. before. Oh yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So I'll assign a little bit of that. Um, I'll, I'll assign a little bit of that. Like, like, well, I'll say I, I was not really sure what the plan was there. Like, I was expecting to get blown out by something I hadn't seen on the deck list, like a right of consumption or something. Uh, but, uh, but no, I was. But spending the step was like really punishing. Like, especially it was like really punishing for her late game prospects because you need that card in order to be able to get through another twenty twenty. Yep. Sometimes when Caracas is shut off. So. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Then uh, you're, you're, and then back to what you were saying, Zach. Yeah, at the very end of the game, she ended up playing a Tarmogoyf after copying like my Bayou to get another green source, um, and then presented uh, 
um, a Tarmogoyf, and also held up green for a crop rotation, which, like, at this point, like, I was pretty convinced she had, but at that point, I, like, she had a second, she had ma- managed to make a second green pretty safely, and she had managed to play a bit better creature than mine, so I was kind of concerned about my prospects going later, because she had not been playing a whole lot of spells, so I suspected there were just more creatures that were going to come down, and every game, every turn going forward would have made it harder to, um, uh, uh, just, just like, it, it, any, I, it, suspecting it's a lot of creatures and not a lot of, like, good, well, say, or like, like, you know, some of the good cards, like, discard spells or something. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and I had this crop rotation in my hand, so I, I was, think, I, but I couldn't get my own wasteland because I don't play a wasteland. So I couldn't, like, take out her bayou or force her to, um, crop rotate first and show me. Um, so, I kind of ended up going for it there, um, and I could have gotten completely destroyed, uh, but fortunately, I did not. Um, hey, sometimes you need to make that decision to realize that the tide's turning and you need to make your move. Yeah, I, d- I did. I did put a lot, of, a lot of thought into whether to make the combo or not. Like pretty much every turn, starting from like turn three or turn two or whatever it was, right? Um, like I could have just like assumed there was no crop rotation, um, but sure. But you, you didn't need to. Then you still understood how the game could go. Yeah, but, but the, the other thing, the other thing that had the threat was uh, contributing was my draws had been completely terrible. Um, so I, I like, so I had started with that great hand, and I had drawn, like, second Urborg, Bajookabog, basic Swamp, I think second Depths, like, completely garbage. Like, sure. like probably the four worst cards I could have mm-hmm. drawn. <laughs> like, I, other than, like, you know, Depths, 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 or whatever, right? Like, uh, so I was saying my hand's really not good and I have a feeling that she's going to start playing creatures and so I, I, I was really not feeling too good going later in the game so I kind of wanted to make a habit and if I was going to lose from that I was kind of okay like and sometimes in these combo decks you have to uh, like figure out that things are not getting better Very cool all right, but it ended up working out. So yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was that was great. Yeah. So you took down first. You uh, got a chance to enshrine your card of choice in your trophy, and you chose, of course, uh, not not of this world. <laughs> had had to been done, I think, as Elon Musk would say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, and that was it. Really, in the whole Swiss, it really didn't do too much. Uh, I countered a Jace, um, my, unsummon with it, and then conceded the following turn. Um, in one of my in one of my matches, but just from the the weight that it pulled uh, in that finals matchup, I felt it earned its slot more than any other single particular card, right? Um, than than the rest of my deck. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> that makes sense. Plus, you know, when you do something like this, and that's the obvious unique card in your deck, playing four main deck. Yeah, sure. Come yeah. on, you, you got a style on them. I love yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna make you guys get me a shiny one. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to get the foil in the in the in the trophy for you for sure. Um, awesome. Well, were there any uh, takeaways you you have from the tournament as far as maybe your position, the position of dark depths? Uh, there was a uh, a one k in Maine, I believe that there was at least one dark depths in the top eight of that uh, tournament as well. Dark depths won that? that. Dark depths. Came okay, first. yeah, because I saw the the deck, the top eight, and so yeah, so dark depths took it down there too. Do you think that Dark Depths is uh, is uh, like a tier zero deck right now, or is it just one of those decks that always has a chance of spoiling the fun for everyone else in the tournament? Um, I don't think it's tier zero, um, but I think firmly tier one is safe. Uh, 
I mean, you, you look at like the success that Rug Delver has been having, and you know, uh, as an engineer, I like the math, and the math has been saying that Rug is just better than pretty much every other fair-ish blue deck, right? And this this whole sure. this whole Oko card was like a meme at the tournament, which was like great. Like someone like dressed up as an elk. Oh yeah, that was awesome. Like, I believe that was like, I, I I played against that guy actually. Oh really? <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and, and as one of my one I was one of my opponents, so that was a nice meme. Of it. Um, but yeah, it's it's obvious like these um, super high loyalty, super like like game changing game state changing planeswalkers that can like do so much stuff like mm-hmm. Ren and Oko. The fact that, like those both slot into like Rug Delver, which is already like a you know solid deck. Mm-hmm. Like it's not like oh in Legacy like if you play Rug then you have to play you know all these other like weird cards yeah. <laughs> right like it's like you can play you can play delver and yeah. just like turn one delver and then daze them and then wasteland them like same as like any other delver deck going like turn one um, delver and following it up with a turn two ren and six to me is just just feels like i don't know not not a huge fan of that like it's just uh not a play pattern that i that I, i'm super into so yeah um i will say like as far as how depths fares um I did not play against Rug in this tournament, uh, mm-hmm. but in the challenge the Sunday before, I played against Rug three times and crushed it all three times pretty easily. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Um, it, yeah it seems like a very good matchup overall. Particularly my version, I, I feel like. Um, I feel like going back to a fast version, playing Not of This World to counter their um, bounce spells in Caracas, like, which did come up in the, in the challenge on Sunday, um, having all those uh, like as opposed to something like Sylvan Safekeeper, which is Sylvan Safe. This is something I didn't mention. Is Sylvan Safekeeper is soft to uh, Ren and Six? I don't know if I, I don't know if I mentioned that. But one reason to lean away from Safekeeper and more toward this unplayable seven mana instant is uh, Ren and Six just doesn't deal with it. Like the only thing Ren and Six can do is grab back wastelands. Mm-hmm. And playing main deck Pithing Needles in your depth deck is a great way to just completely not. Oh yeah, that sure. I didn't even think about deck. that, but that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well. um Let's, uh, since we're running a little long here, uh, let's get into scoops and poops into top eight. Sure. Oh, I thought you were going to do the scoops, uh, Zach. Oh, come on. I, I know Jerry's not here, but do I need to no, do it's everything? Fine. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> scoops. That's even better. That's even better than Jerry's. All right, Justin, what you need to do is you need to cut that out and just paste it over whenever Jerry does it. Paste it over. Hope he never <laughs> yeah. notices. He'll never notice. He doesn't. He doesn't listen to this. He doesn't edit it. It's fine. Um, all right. He's barely <laughs> on gonna, it. I'm going to lead off here, and I'm going to scoop it in top A. I'm going to scoop in all the people who came out to the uh, to the uh, the the three and a half K. It was an awesome time. Uh, Michelle and all her staff there are fantastic. Uh, it's a great shop. I really love gaming, etc. Uh, I'm very happy that it's five minutes from Curtis's house. It's only it's an hour for me, and I still don't mind the drive because it's an awesome store. Um, a little jealous that it's so close to you, but that's great. Um, and uh, yeah, and and just uh, you know, again, my apologies to everyone who 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 reached out and wanted to chat and say hello. And I unfortunately had to tell a bunch of people like, oh, I'm in the middle of doing 900 things right now, and 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 someday I'll be able to. We'll have an LAL open where I'm not doing anything you know i have no responsibilities and i'll be able to chill with everyone but um but other than that yeah my, those are my scoops in the top eight and i really don't have any poops this week it was uh it was funny. i guess maybe the patriots offense has been a little anemic this season uh their defense is playing their their butts off and uh aren't they still leading in points for points what's four? that aren't they still leading in they points pro- four i know they were before yeah this they week. might be they th- their offense just doesn't score as much as they should with the way their defense is playing their defense has oh, like, I think that's multiple a... touchdowns, so 
<laughs> sure. um, but uh, but yeah, so I, I'm, I, it's not a huge poop. It's just like saying like, all right, let's get it together. We got we got Sanu now. Like we need to get everyone uh, get everyone uh, you know get the offense going a little bit. But it's it's still pretty great. They're eight and zero right now, and and I'm, we've been enjoying the season. So uh, how about how about you, Zach? Who are you scooping in top eight this week? Um. Basically the same as you guys, because uh, I liked everyone there at the tournament. Uh, I love the people dressing up. Uh, it was a lot of fun for people. And yes, that does even include Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle <laughs> Jerry, the uh, the coverage turtle yeah. as he was. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was just a great time all around, and it's nice to see uh, these large legacy events, because sometimes when you're at big events, you can see people kind of just sitting by themselves uh, after rounds, but... Whenever it's legacy, you always see people up in like the big like fifteen person circles talking and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So it's always yeah, good. That's awesome. Any poops this week? Um, Oko. Oko. Love it. That card is <laughs> I miserable. Agree. Bad for. It's bad for coverage. It's bad for uh, gameplay. And I'm going to be happy when it's gone in three weeks or whatever. <laughs> I think. I think it's. I think it's been like resulting in some decreased popularity for um, some certain uh, like standard. Uh, tournaments also. I don't know if you saw it. Every I don't know if you've seen, seen that. People have like been oh, not I showing have. up I, to I know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, there was... Was it the Nerd Rage Gaming? Yeah. Has like no one joining their standard <laughs> yeah, that's event. that's not... The 5K. They're like, yeah, we don't have enough people to run a 5K. Yikes. It's... That card is... It's very... I'm not even sure if it's 100% too powerful, but what I can tell you it is 100% not fun. And from covering it this week, it was on camera like twice for us. It's almost impossible to talk about anything because the entire board's just cluttered with yep. three threes and a 19 loyalty planeswalker. Yeah. You get an elk. So decisions are a it's little like weird. It's like the Oprah meme. You get an elk, and you get an elk, and you get an elk. Sucks. Yeah, so uh, my poops are to Oko and to a certain co-host who may have slept through an entire round. <laughs> the best part is that I have a picture of Jerry sleeping under his turtle shell in the coverage booth, and Zach and I look over at him while he's snoring, and he wakes up and he goes, what round is it? And we're like, dude, it's round six. He's like, did I sleep through round five? It's like, yeah, you slept through all of round five. <laughs> yeah, he went to sleep in round four and woke up in round six. <laughs> <coughs> oh man, I, I know he. How about you, he had very little sleep the night before, so I don't, I don't blame him. But Zach, I was also very thankful to have you there, man. You do such a great job. You and you, you come out and you don't ask anything of us. You just show up and you do you do such an awesome job helping us with coverage and providing some really valuable insight. So I'm going to add you into my scoops as well, Zach, because you did, you did such a great job and <laughs> well, you, thank you. Huge help to us. I really appreciate it. it help. I think it definitely elevates our our coverage of the event for sure. I have had some people reach out saying I did a good job, so that's always awesome. nice to hear. Awesome. Uh, all right, how about you, Curtis? Who you want to scoop in the top eight this week? Uh, for scoops, uh, definitely I agree. Uh, Zach, great job covering. Like I said, um, the coverage of that depth matchup was very, very good. Uh, and you hit pretty much everything, uh, which is uh, great to see from all these other, like, you know, the commentators and other ones just, like, stop talking about the, just start talking about, like, what they're going to have for dinner <laughs> or whatever at some point. And they I just give up on Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and then I will also, I guess, um, hmm, I guess all, uh, all my, all my, all of my opponents through the entire tournament were very, very pleasant, uh, and they embraced a merit lage as, as I made it, made it and <laughs> said, you take 20 now. Um, and especially, uh, my friend Freya, um, for a great, great finals match. Uh, I couldn't imagine it any other way. Couldn't imagine playing against Delver in the finals of this event. Had to be Depp's Mirror. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, gotta show him who's boss. Any uh, any poops this week? 
No, no. I love no. it. This, this week start like uh, a great, great weekend. So no, nothing to complain That's about. That's right fantastic. Now. That's awesome. All right, great. Well, uh, if someone wants to find you on Twitter or Facebook, where can they get a hold of you, Curtis? Sure. Um, so on Twitter, I'm at Grizzlebrand underscore because mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get the I wasn't the first person to think about being Grizzlebrand on Twitter. Tragic. Um, you can also find me in the Depths Discord, um, which is uh, like in the land. It's, it's like a subsection of the Lands Discord. Um, as far as like finding that, I don't really know how Discord links work, so I can't really help. With <laughs> <it>. <laughs> awesome. And uh, and Zach, how about you, man? Where can people find you? Uh, easiest place again on Twitter at the underscore amazing underscore Zach. My ode to the amazing Jonathan, the uh, comedian, rest in peace. Was there. he a magician too? Uh, he, yes, he was a com- comedian okay. magician. Yes, I know the name. I just he like uh, dark uh, like uh, eyeliner around his eyes. Is that the guy? Beard. Okay. Yeah, headband. Yes. All that yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, you can find me uh, at Pat Uglo. You can find Jerry at JME three RD. You can find the the uh, the show handle is at LALMTG. Uh, the stream is twitch.tv slash leaving a legacy. You can find us on Patreon, find us on Hipsters, join the Facebook group. You can email us, leaving legacy at hipstersofthecoast.com. And of course, want to give a shout out to Justin Lutz, our audio tech sound engineer, uh, absent from the LAL uh, Open this weekend, which was, which was sad, but he's always, he always tries to make it and uh, he does a great job for us flipping the switches, twisting the knobs so we sound so fresh and so clean every single week. We love you, buddy, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Oh, I have an immediate thing to take back. Actually, Amazing Jonathan, not dead. (laughs) I forgot. He he got ridiculously sick and was on his deathbed, and he made a miraculous recovery. I forgot about that. (laughs) Jeez. He was horrifically sick. He had a serious heart condition, whole thing. But hey, you know what? He's amazing, so we made it through. I was looking in the lab late one night. Alright, great. Alright, that's great. So we'll, we're taking back we're taking back the shout out to Amazing Jonathan because he's still alive. No no, he still gets the shout out. He still gets the shout out, but uh good for him, you know, living through heart problems. Oh, that's my favorite thing today. Awesome. Alright, thanks everyone for listening. We're gonna catch you all next time. The monster man from my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast. The ghouls all came from their humble abode to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster man. The monster mash. Mm-hmm. It was a graveyard smash. They did the mash. It caught on yep. an old man. They did the mash. Right. and his Right. 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 Okay. No. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They yep. played the monster man.